Welcome to Late Night Talks with Amy Jo, a place where you're going to find inspiration, wisdom, and healing. A podcast for men. Welcome to tonight's episode of Late Night Talks with Amy Jo. Hope you've been well mentally physically and emotionally of course it's good to be back here this week with you this is my outlet i'm relatively somewhat of a private person as i hold a lot of emotion in from others but there's something about this space that allows myself to express it Maybe it's because I'm in a room hidden away and you're just hearing my voice. I don't really know, but life is very interesting, mysterious. I often find myself looking and wondering if it's all just a movie that I'm projecting into my reality. Like, is it real or is it a dream? Or maybe when I'm dreaming, I'm really awake. And maybe when I'm awake, I'm dreaming. (laughs) I know this doesn't make sense to many of you, but someday maybe it will. There's so much power in an unseen reality. But let me not get off track and we'll get into tonight's topic. I think as a whole, it's really important that we start becoming more comfortable around this topic. I know it can be very dark and uncomfortable for many. Tonight I chose to speak about death because last Tuesday evening I received a call that my nephew overdosed and passed away. I may get a little emotional. Just bear with me. But he had a very hard life. Very unstable upbringing. And was basically in detention centers starting from around the age of 14. And basically... It went downhill from there. He never had his father in his life. And he was just really exposed to an unhealthy environment, which, you know, we all know is the breeding ground for addiction and unhealthy habits and behaviors. And it's important to spread this message. Most times addicts and those struggling have experienced trauma, whether in childhood or in adult life. You don't know the stories of those who are homeless and living on the streets. But people are so quick to judge when they have no idea what's really going on in the world of another or what they've gone through in their life. This podcast and what I share is never meant to be about me or for me, but it's about us together. You know, my experiences may be relatable to yours. And we are here to help each other in some way, shape, or form. Your presence, even though I can't see you, I can't hear you, I do feel you. And it helps me to carry on here. I get your emails expressing your gratitude. And that goes a long way. And I hope that you know that. And I thank you for that. I really, really thank you for that. It helps me to keep going, knowing that I am making a difference in your lives. At times, there are days when you get the news, like my family and I received last week, that make you really think about life. The community here are all different ages. I know there's more of a younger group, 20s and 30s, but doesn't matter. Depending on your experience throughout your life, you may have not lost anyone yet. And maybe you have. Like I said, everybody is different. 
and I know I say the word lost. I don't like that word. I try to be very careful with my words because nothing is quite ours to keep. We are here to love and to find gratitude in loving others unconditionally. We lose nothing. I feel the greatest things in life are often unseen. Like our feelings, our emotions, our imagination, love. You can't see any of those things. Let's move forward. Tonight we're going to explain why we fear it. Is it a phobia? Is it a fear? How do I identify what's causing that fear? And ways that we can possibly find more peace within the ending in the life cycle process. Not the most joyous of topics, but it's just because it's rarely discussed. And many, many people experience anxiety and sadness when it comes up. But this is reality. And we were actually taught, I believe, to fear this, which I want to talk about. You know, I do want to warn you, though, if you are sensitive around this topic or you feel you may be triggered due to losing someone, it may be best to just move on with your day or evening to another podcast. And I will be sharing some of my life experiences around this as well. So if that's not something that interests you, I totally understand But it's important for me to do so in order for it to be kind of relatable to you. You know, no one is ever really comfortable with the unknown, right? We're not comfortable with it. But we can either fear it or surrender to it. We've been conditioned to fear certain things in life, like death. My story of death and my own anxieties just want to talk about this for a few minutes because it explains a lot for me and it might explain a lot for you. By the time I was seven years old, all my grandparents had passed and I never even met my, my one grandfather, my dad's dad. He passed before I was even born. So anyway, at a young age, you know, death was there in my face. All I knew is that one day these people were there and the next they weren't. So I remember going to a psychic when I was about 14 or 15 and asking her if I was going to die young. And I know it's a really strange question for someone at that age to ask such a dark question, but I could never really envision myself in my 20s, 30s, or 40s. I just couldn't see it. She reassured me and said that I was going to be here to see my great-grandchildren. You know, of course, they're not going to tell you (laughs) the terrible news. But spiritually, they're really not supposed to either. And I know many feel that psychics are evil and they're not good or whatnot. And depending on your religion or belief, but most of what she shared with me did come true. And she predicted a lot of things about my life that unfolded even names of people like my ex-husband. You know, I often ask myself that question, you know, we're born in this world with certain abilities. And I think what counts is what you do with those abilities if you use them for good or bad, right? Anyway, not to get off the topic, but we all have these special abilities. We all have the capability. But so many of us aren't even tapped into this part of ourselves because of blockages and other things like that. But again, that's for another day. But I do want to talk about that someday soon. So anyways... When I was 18 or 19, I was driving home from my boyfriend's house and it was winter and probably around midnight, I hit a sheet of black ice. I had an SUV 
and it started to lose control. And within seconds, my life flashed before my eyes and something grabbed the wheel, which I think it was my guardian angel or some type of higher power because it just took the car over and it gained total control. Everything was fine, thankfully. Now I've heard people say my life flashed before my eyes and I never really knew what that meant until it happened to me. And within seconds, I mean, flashes like a flash so quick, your life flashes in front of your eyes. Mine went from my age of 19 all the way down to when I was a baby. It showed images like even moving video images of me of memories I don't even remember. It was the craziest experience. It was just so quick. You know, I'm glad I'm here today. And I know a lot of people speak about this happening before a, you know, during a near death experience. So I'm not sure what to call it. But I guess maybe I felt my life was being threatened at that time. So anyway, life moved on and my sister was diagnosed with stage four cancer. I have three sisters. This was the younger sister. She was diagnosed 17 years ago and she is still with us. She has an amazing personality very positive and is not one to give up. So that was a lot of her strength is why she's here. But I remember that day while she was having her surgery that my father was in tears and he prayed for God to take him so that she could live, so that she could be here for her kids she lived, and six years later, my father came to my house on Father's Day weekend and told me that he only had a couple months to live because he had liver cancer. Of course, you know, I was in shock. And this is not news that you ever want to hear. I would get sick to my stomach even thinking about anything happening to either one of my parents. But whatever happens, you can never prepare for it. He passed six weeks later at the age of 71. But I do often wonder if God granted him his wish in order for my sister to be here with her kids. And during his passing, I was going through my midlife crisis, you know, I went through a divorce. And at that moment, I didn't really care what happened to me. I went wild. Then I felt my life was crumbling around me. You know, he was my solid structure or protector in my life. The only man that I really felt that cared and wanted nothing but the best for me. Even though we weren't close in my teenage years, growing up, we did grow a closer relationship. So that really hurt. Losing a parent is like losing a part of you. This is a person that brought you into this world. So at that time, I wasn't as evolved as I am now. I didn't know how to deal with that. And I shut a lot of people out. I suppressed and I shut friends, family, everyone away. And again, years passed and... I lose my best friend to suicide in 2018. Someone that I talk to every single day, a couple times a day. We were had a very comfortable, familiar connection. And he struggled with alcohol addiction. He had a lot of his own unhealed traumas, shadows that he never really faced. And it took him. Then in 2020, I lost a cousin who was my age, and I also lost my oldest sister. This was a different sister. This is my oldest sister. They both passed away of the same type of breast cancer, terminal. The doctors told her she had 16 months to live. 
And at that time, when we got that news, I was riddled with anxiety at this point. Now, my nephew, who had just passed away last week, that was her son. And, you know, now they're together on the other side. But death has basically been somewhat of a a neighbor to me. One of those really annoying neighbors. And I know this is part of life for sure. It's very natural. So when you're in the midst of all this loss, you begin finding yourself thinking every day that this could be your last day here. You just don't know. This is how fragile life is. It's not me being pessimistic. This is reality. One day, we will all come face to face with the end of this physical life. And there's plenty of you listening that have had possible similar stories or worse. And I'm so sorry for you. I feel for you. And maybe for some of you, you don't even think or worry about death. And that's okay too. That's, that's good. Whatever works best for you. One thing I have to say that I've gained throughout these later years through my spiritual awakening is that there is nothing to fear. Not death, not anything, not anyone. The only thing you have to fear is yourself. If you've ever gone to hospice, It's one of the most depressing experiences because at the end, everyone in the building in those beds aren't going to make it out of that building within a matter of usually weeks or days. And what makes it really sad is there are rooms with people dying and no one is there with them. When I went a couple times in different experiences, one with my dad, one with with my sister, all the rooms, there was hardly anybody ever there. And it made me really sad. And there was one man Last year in his room, he was an older man, but he had his music on from the 50s and he was just, he had it blasting and that's what made him feel good. But I came home immediately and quickly looked up how to volunteer at a hospice as just to be there for someone to sit with. But I found out these people were called death vigils that sit with these people during their passing. I wanted to volunteer for that and be there for these people, but you have to kind of be on call and be available, but that's not something that I am available for at this time. So I'm hoping in the future that's something that I'd be able to do. For me, there is no death. There's transition. There's transition in everything in life. We're always flowing. The earth is never still. It's constantly moving in one way or another. Culture, religion, personal views, and different traditions all have an impact on death and dying around the world. Both ancient and modern art, literature, theater, philosophy, and psychology have dealt with death and the wound of mortality. You know, some religions believe that You have one life and you go to heaven or hell and there's some kind of judgment day that tells you 
if you're going to heaven or hell. Others believe that you're a soul and that you're a spiritual being in a human structure or human body. And then when you leave this body, depending on your evolution, you reincarnate into a male or female until your soul emerges with God. And there's some that believe that after this life, you're done. There's nothing after it. I like to keep an open mind, and I do believe in reincarnation. It really makes the most sense for me. Burning in hell doesn't make sense to me at all, and I believe we have a chance to make our wrongs right through reincarnation. And I'm not pushing any of my beliefs on any of you. I'm just sharing my thoughts. I believe this is why so many people fear it, though, for what religions have taught, you know. I personally connect to God through my own heart. My heart is the cathedral because that's where God resides. He's in my cells. He's in my body. He's in my DNA. And he exists in all things. So I don't fear this. It's about feeling and knowing, a deep knowing. Death and birth are the same. You know, we're not our mind, we're not our body, but they are in us. We are a soul. And when my sister was going through the process of death, when we got the news that the chemo was no longer working and that she only had a short amount of time to live, you know, weeks, we had a really deep conversation in the car that day and she was so scared and it broke my heart and the conversation that I had with her helped her to feel better we've been taught to fear God in in our churches and the God I know doesn't want me to fear him my God is a God of love I'm not saying that we're down here to do what we want to do. Of, of course, it's important to do right. You know, we talk about karma. But nobody really knows. Nobody really knows what happens after death. There's been a large number of incidents of people having these, you know, near-death experiences. And these occur after a person has died physically but has been resuscitated. You know, most people describe these memories of being aware while they're out of their bodies, while their bodies were dead. And they're often similar, such as the feeling of leaving or being outside of the physical body or being able to describe the attempts of the reanimation or the other events that were taking place at that time often in another room or from a different viewpoint, traveling down a tunnel towards that light and being met by beings of love and light and or loved ones who have already passed on. Regardless, when we allow this fear to take over, it takes our power away. We feel utterly powerless so much so that it can interfere with our happiness and joy in our daily life. Many have this anxiety about death and feel even ashamed for it. You know, they get in this panic mode about death. People are terrified of dying. And sometimes it's hard to understand why it's so frightening. I think a lot of times it's about, you know, maybe losing our individuality. We fear that extinction. This isn't anything that we can control, but we will ask ourselves questions like, is there anyone waiting for us on the other side when we die? Are our beliefs real or, or false? What will it feel like? Will it hurt? 
what are we going to see? What if everything that we were just vanishes into oblivion? What's left? It is normal and it can become very easy to get sucked into the fear and worry of death, especially when, you know, we're confronted with these questions. In general, individuals cope with death by denying or rejecting the existence of it altogether. You know, the unconscious mind tries to shield us from death's terror. But it's again something that we will all face at some point in our life. But if you stop and think about it, maybe it's not the death that's the problem, but the anxiety about the death that's the problem. Human lifespans are longer today than any time in the past. Jeanne Calment, she was a French woman, the world's oldest living individual. She lived 122 years and 164 days. She died in 1997. That's a long time. And I know I've mentioned this before, but what if we never died? What if life just went on and on and on and we didn't age? I think that we would find boredom in that eventually. Personally, I think life cycles are for a purpose. I think that there's a much bigger intelligence out there more than our human brain can even fathom. And we're not meant to know certain things. Otherwise, we would know them. We can't know everything. If we did, there wouldn't be any, absolutely no challenges in life. There would be no growth. Again, boring. We grow from our challenges. So there is all bigger purpose for the ending of life. Death anxiety is thought to be a fundamental fear that underpins the emergence of a wide range of psychological disorders. So it can be recognized in a variety of psychiatric diseases, body scanning, doctor's visits, requests for medical testing, and attempt to uncover health problems before they become serious or lethal in somatic symptoms or related illnesses. And similarly, people with panic disorders regularly see the doctors about their fears of dying from a heart attack. You know, many compulsive hand washers attribute their anxiety and the behavioral responses to threat cues to chronic life-threatening diseases. And that sounds like someone I know. And her name starts with an A. Can you guess who? (laughs) Yep, that's me. You know, even many of the specific phobias are linked to this fear. Like flying, you know, heights, animals, blood, spiders, So there is a name for this fear of death. This was first described by Austrian Sigmund Freud in 1915 as a thanatophobia, which is basically an anxiety condition characterized by extreme or excessive fear of your own death or the process of dying. And it can affect both men and women equally. Some of the symptoms of thanatophobia may include cognitive dysfunction, worrying about the future of the unknown, losing control and wondering how and what will happen to your body when you die. Concerns may include loneliness, physical pain, and how your loved ones will cope if you pass away. You know, you may be plagued with images of your own death that are very difficult to ignore. Some of the more emotional distress may be associated with worries of death or dying, such as uh, dread, anxiety, terror, panic. Other emotions may include guilt, anger, 
sadness about the toll that these fears are taking on your well-being, your relationship, your loved ones. I've seen that too. So you may experience physical symptoms too, like dizziness, perspiration, heart palpitations, and a feeling of being suffocated, choked, or nauseous, you know, stomach upset. There's a possibility that you're more sensitive to feelings in your body than others are. Symptoms that manifest themselves in behavior, you know, people with thanatophobia, avoid situation that can make them think about death or dying. Like, I could never watch the hospital or doctor shows, anything medical dramas on TV growing up or listening to the news, even if it was brought up in a conversation with friends and family. You know, even the risk of dying can be so reduced if you take the precautions such as not going outside of your house (laughs) or taking that flight or avoiding the illness. Symptoms may appear and disappear. And they may be more noticeable when you are ill or uncertain. But in an effort to stay secure, you may find yourself becoming more and more alienated from friends and family and really no longer getting pleasure from life. So I think this is what's happening even now with the virus. People are afraid to come out of their homes now. You know, they've they've grown this phobia or this major fear. And I even see people driving cars all by themselves and they have a mask on their face. And I'm not judging anyone. I'm not. But I'm just, I'm not understanding it. And I really try hard to understand it. (laughs) But I see that as living a very fearful, fearful life. And that's so unhealthy. Living in fear alone to be so scared lowers our immune system it really does so it's important to keep your vibrations high because that really is what raises our our immune system when you're happy and you're healthy you feel good your immune system is boosted up so take note of that if you notice that you're living a more fearful way. Anyways, so our thoughts of death as young children stick with us well into our adulthood. But I think that's what I want to talk about today. It's important to get comfortable with this topic. This fear can become so crippling. And it stops you and prevents you from really living a full life. So near-death experience is a common trigger for the onset of this thanatophobia. Also, it can occur as a result of the death of a loved one, a sudden loss, or a scenario in which control is lost. Having a dread of dying and having thanatophobia, according to a therapist, named Cynthia Catchings, are two distinct things. Rather than suffering from thanatophobia, some people just fear the unknown, leaving their loved ones, or losing control while others fear pain and illness. I think a great way to find peace in overcoming this fear is to really study different spiritual traditions, religions, or beliefs, and see where you may find comfort, or if you find comfort in any of them. That's where I find comfort in my spirituality. You know, I look to God to comfort me. So psychologist Nick Wagnall had some really great insights that I'd like to share on how to maybe overcome this paralyzing fear. I think it's really important to know that recognizing the patterns and the practices in your life that are contributing to this problem are important. You know, how to determine where the fear of dying came from. And the good news is 
that in order to overcome your fear of dying, you don't have to grasp its underlying causes. But knowing where the anxiety comes from can be both validating and reassuring. You know, it can assist you and it can be motivating and inspiring to, you know, overcome if you know where it came from. And there isn't anything odd or unhealthy about having some fear of death. It's just when it gets to be, you know, at harmful levels where it interferes with your daily living. You know, it's critical to realize that some level of fear is completely normal. It's a basic part of nature, right? Like we mentioned earlier, most of the common causes are severe illness, a traumatic event, death of a loved one, terminal illness, panic attacks, old age. Identifying the habits that are maintaining your fear of death in the present is very important. For example, maybe death may have been the original source of fear of death, right? Losing or witnessing your father dying of a heart attack at a young age. This is a terrifying event. However, you may have developed the practice of avoiding things that are connected with death over time. For example, maybe, you know, leaving talks when the subject of death comes up or refusing to watch movies in which death is involved Death-related issues should be avoided at all cost, even if doing so temporarily relieves anxiety. However, doing this is really conditioning your brain to be more terrified of death. If you want to be precise, you're teaching your brain to be terrified of anything that has anything to do with death. As a result, every time the subject of death is brought up, Your brain causes you to become even more worried by attempting to avoid the subject of death. You've trained your brain to fear it. This is why exposure therapy is very important. This is one of the reasons why I thought about volunteering to be a death vigil to get comfortable with this process. Some of the practices that people do to keep their fear of death alive in the present are worrying on a regular basis, like chronic worrying. This is a habit that is very easy to get into. And unfortunately, anxiety is a tendency to broaden your fear of death to include other relevant themes and situations, making it more easily triggered or more strong in, you know, subsequent scenarios. Avoiding the death-related situation simply serves to increase your fear of dying, like we mentioned, in the long term, by extending your fear of death to a greater and greater number of things. Even though it often feels like a relief in the moment, the more time you spend coping with or tolerating your anxieties of mortality, the lower your self-confidence will be. The lower your self-esteem, the more emotionally unstable and nervous you're likely to become. Reassurance seeking. The trouble with seeking reassurance is that it undermines your confidence and it makes you more susceptible to anxiety and concern. By telling your brain that you are unable to deal with fear of death, you are effectively telling your brain that you are not capable of dealing with fear of death. This destroys your confidence and leads to low self-esteem because you're telling your brain that you're not capable of dealing with fear of death. It's difficult in the short term. But if you want to overcome your fear of death for good, it's vital that you have the fortitude to confront and embrace it rather than running away from it or relying on other people to temporarily alleviate your symptoms. It's pretty important not to become preoccupied with the causes of your fear of death in the past. 
that you lose sight of the circumstances that are making it worse in the present. Validating your fears, validating your emotions means rather than running away and attempting to fix difficult feelings or moods like we talk about here on this podcast, you recognize them directly and you remind yourself one important concept that you are human. And just because you're experiencing negative emotions does not imply that your emotions are negative or that you are a negative for experiencing them. Think about what you would tell a friend if they had this fear. In other words, you already know how to validate your emotions since you do it with others, right? When you're struggling, especially with your fear of death, apply the same principle to yourself by validating our fears and concerns rather than avoiding or attempting to overcome them. We teach our brains that. And while it's unpleasant, our fears are not dangerous. Put an end to the persistent worry habit. Worry, according to the brain's fear center, indicates that you believe something is dangerous. Chronic concern only serves to amplify and generalize your fear of death. Deal with the symptoms of death and worry in a healthier manner. Avoid using coping skills as an avoidance strategy at all cost. Take, for example, breathing exercises, deep breathing. This is a coping skill that is frequently recommended for people who suffer from anxiety. It is true that taking a few deep breaths can be profoundly calming and it calms the vagus nerve. The problem is that if you immediately begin deep breathing to avoid feeling anxious, you're teaching your brain that feeling anxious is not acceptable. Even if you manage to feel a little better in the short term, the unintended long-term effect will be to make you anxious about being anxious. So this means that the next time you experience anxiety, it will be amplified because you've taught your brain to be afraid of being afraid. It's vital to first legitimize the fear itself. If you want to manage your anxieties and your worries about dying in a healthy way, one that doesn't make them worse in the long run. Develop the mindset of death acceptance. Accepting that death is unavoidable. That you will die. This makes you less anxious about death. It communicates to your brain that while death itself may be frightening, the experience of thinking about death in the present is not. You're wasting energy. You're wasting your days pondering over what you're fearing. You're taking away from the present moment. This is why it's really important to become present in this very, very moment. Those few seconds ago are no longer anymore. Be here with me now. Accepting death intellectually, you know, just telling yourself isn't going to be enough. You really must also accept it in practice. And this means being willing to tolerate the topic of death, getting involved in the conversation, and all that anxiety that comes up with it. Accept it. Don't avoid it. And a small mantra is a good way to begin cultivating death acceptance and practice. Something like, I may not like it, but I accept that death is unavoidable. And when the subject of death comes up, try to catch yourself instinctively avoiding it, changing the subject, thinking about something else, avoiding situations where death is likely to come up. 
but instead simply repeat that mantra even though you may not like it but death will happen and with repetition and with practice your mind will eventually begin to internalize what was previously just a statement and once you've done that you'll be well on your way to cultivating death acceptance and practice not just theory another thing is to distinguish between fear of death and fear of dying because many people who suffer from death anxiety confuse the fear of death with the fear of dying the fear of death is commonly defined as apprehension about what happens after death the consequences of death and what death means for example many people's fears of death stem from their inability to cope with uncertainty of what happens to them after they die fear of death is in some way an existential fear fear of dying on the other hand that's more concerned with the process of death specifically the pain and the suffering that may be involved in the act of dying itself in this case being afraid of death could refer to something much more specific such as the fear of how painful dying from cancer will be or if you'll be dying alone he also talks about defining your values and goals fear of death is something that you will never be able to completely overcome no matter how hard you try the question then becomes how do we keep it to be manageable one that doesn't really cause us to have a lot of stress or interfere with our life it becomes less about minimizing your fear of death and more about moving on with your life despite some residual death anxiety this is where values and purpose come into play you know having a clear sense of values and purpose things that really matter to you things that really give you energy this here this podcast being with you gives me energy this is a huge advantage when it comes to refocusing your mind away from worries away from anxieties about death it's about getting on with your life because they outcompete your worries and anxieties you know experiment with some positive death visualizations i know it sounds weird but you know people who are afraid of death tend to alternate between two modes of thinking about death maybe imagining all the horrible painful frightening sad and other negative aspects of life you know an avoidance i'm trying very hard to not think about death so you might imagine yourself dying peacefully in your own bed surrounded by your closest friends or you might imagine people giving or sharing their favorite memories of you at your funeral you could picture yourself falling asleep for the last time finally free from the chronic pain that you've been dealing with you know positive death visualizations are a way to remind yourself that there are some positive or at least less negative aspects to death and this can help to counteract an overly negative view of death which you know this can lead to the excessive fear and anxiety it's really important to just deal with your need for control in a healthy manner as well you know for some people death anxiety is primarily a matter of control it's really important to restructure and reframe your thinking you know catch yourself when you're starting to think the more unrealistic thinking and restructure it or modify these unrealistic thoughts to be slightly more realistic and balanced you can also transmute this energy this anxiety into creativity write or or draw or paint or you know do some type of sport get it out of your body you know move we have to constantly move the energy 
when we move our bodies, we're releasing energy. Anxiety is energy. So this is really important to do. There are, of course, several types of therapy. Cognitive behavior therapy. This has been shown to be helpful. There is also existential psychotherapy that is often frequently used and very helpful as well. This is all I have for you guys. And this, I think, is the longest podcast I have ever done. I am so sorry. (laughs) I'm really sorry for keeping you here this long. But I felt that this was a topic that we really need to talk about. It's something that nobody really wants to discuss or hear about because it sounds so depressing, but we really need to just get comfortable with it. Like I said, cuddle up with that idea because one day it's going to come, but it is important to not live your life worrying about that time. What is the point of that? What is the point of worrying about something that's inevitable? What we can do now is just live the best life that you can and do good and give back and do the best that you can while you're here. And make a difference in your life for the better. And when you do that, you make the difference in others around you as well. When we heal ourselves, we heal others in the world. Okay, so I hope that it helped and I appreciate you more than you know and I look forward to coming back here really soon. Take care guys, be well and thank you so much.